Let's go to the word of the Lord. The book of 1 Corinthians today, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The apostle Paul gives us a good, clear update about some good news. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news. That's what that word literally means. I declare unto you the good news, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Don't want to do that. Don't want to listen to the report and say, I don't know. Might be. But I want to know that this is a sure report. He goes on to say, For I delivered unto you, first of all, or most, most important of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and that he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also. Woo. You know, it's kind of interesting. You hear somebody say, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. Well, I don't know. But when you can say, I've seen it for myself. I've seen it for myself. He said in verse nine, or verse 8, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that this is an opportunity, Lord Jesus, to celebrate some good news today. It doesn't matter that we are not able to meet, Lord Jesus. That doesn't define the news. That doesn't define the truth. God, us being in a building and celebrating Easter and filling our, our buildings, oh God, with people is great and wonderful, and we will do that again. But Heavenly Father, right now we still celebrate that you are risen. We still believe and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still declare and, and, and believe and live that there is a truth that transforms transforms us. So today we give you praise. Let everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. Thank you for being here. Amen. In the house today. Praise the Lord. Don't you love him? Amen. Praise the Lord. The first message that the Apostle Paul gave had to do with the fact that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, I delivered unto you, I gave unto you first of all, most important of all, that which I have received. I received it and now I'm giving it to you that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he, here's the good news, he was buried and then he rose again the third day. He died for our sins, he was buried 
and he rose again the third day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the anchor of our faith. For if he has not risen, we have no hope. That is the foundation of our hope today. For all of the principles of the gospel hinge upon the fact that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive. Matter of fact, that was, I believe it was Max Licato that says that, that the resurrection is the hinge of history. If it is not a truth, then the Bible is a hoax. History is a hoax because it hangs upon that revelation. He is alive. Paul put it like this in another passage. <clears throat> he says, if Christ be not risen, your faith is in vain. That means without purpose. If Christ is not risen, then your faith is without purpose. You have, you're still in your sins. We are still in our sins if Christ has not been risen. There are those today who reject the, this message because it is so far-fetched to think that, that one would come and give their life for them that they may be cleansed of their sin. To them, it's just a myth. It's a hoax. It's fake news. Amen. One noted atheist is reported to have said, if I could believe in the resurrection of Jesus, I would have to believe that there is a God. Amen. Well, let me tell you, they have tried for hundreds and thousands of years to debunk this gospel message. Does it say that Jesus is not? But they haven't found any evidence that he is still in the grave. But here we have heard Paul say, see or Peter saw him, James saw him, 500 saw him, amen, and Paul said, and I saw him. Yes. On today, across the country, in times past, and perhaps even present, we sing the song of H.J. Alwyn, which is, I serve a risen Savior. He is in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say because I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. How do you know it? Because when I need him, he shows up. When I need him, he comes along. Amen. Without a risen Lord, then I could not be saved. I would not know what it is to have the guilt of my sin taken from my shoulder, but I have experienced it. I wouldn't know what freedom is really in my soul, but I've experienced it. I wouldn't know what peace is, but I can tell you I have experienced it. I serve a risen Savior. <clears throat> Today, we could talk about Calvary and how it fulfilled the law, but it was the resurrection that instituted a new covenant. Without the resurrection of Christ, Calvary would have been a sad and tragic event. But because he did die on Calvary and took our place and carried our penalty of sin, but he didn't stay there. He didn't stay in the grave or stay uh, uh, dead. He came forth out of the grave. Calvary fulfilled the law, but it is the resurrection that brought in and ushered in a new covenant. Hallelujah. Paul, uh, uh, rather Peter preached and declared to us that great resurrection message and Luke said it like this in Acts 1 and 3 to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible 
unchangeable, unalterable proofs. Hallelujah. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I got a good news update for you today. He lives. I got a good news update for you today. He lives. I know they say so many died today and so many were sick and so many issues and so many questions, but I got an update for you. He's still alive. It's a true report. It's a right report. Amen. It's still being proclaimed in this hour. So let me share with you my sources. I go all the way back to the beginning of man in Genesis 3 and 15 where God prophesied and he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking of the serpent, the devil, our adversary, the instigator of sin. He said, I will put a mm, war between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. What is this prophetic utterance about? It is about one day there would be one that would be born among men that would destroy the works of the enemy, that would destroy the works of the devil that he would take his heel as it were and crush his head yeah he'd be bruised as the bible declares in the book of isaiah he would be bruised for our transgression and he was on calvary bruised but he was not crushed but yet he crushed the work of the enemy he destroyed the work of darkness so my sources is the old testament prophets and the Old Testament declaration. Job said it like this. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. The word Redeemer means next of kin. It means Savior. He's declaring I know my Savior lives. I know my Savior lives. The psalmist put it like this. In Psalm 16 and 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. This last phrase. The Holy one speaks of Jesus Christ. It is a prophetic word of the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. But if he was slain from the foundation of the world, he was also proclaimed to be alive in his resurrection thereafter. The apostle Peter referred to this glorious psalm when he preached the Pentecost message. Acts chapter 2, when he declared in verse 22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel. Is my Acts group quoting with me? Y'all remember this? Delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Here's where he says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad more over also my flesh shall rest in hope because here it is that will not leave my soul in hell neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption what is Peter saying he said what what David prophesied is this 
This is the coming and pass. So here's the evidence. Uh, Peter has seen him. James has seen him. The 500 has seen him. Paul said, I've seen him. And, and David prophesied that it was coming. Oh, thank the Lord. Jesus himself bear witness to the fact that he would resurrect and he would live. He promised in his teachings and his word, amen, that, that what Peter called Christ, the son of the living God, is that he would be he would be crucified or he would die and be buried and resurrected again. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Hmm. So Jesus is a witness beforehand prophetically of his coming resurrection of his coming suffering yes he would suffer yes he would be killed but he would be raised again by his own proclamation hallelujah the word says ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory oh, Peter declared this in his epistle searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified before him the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. Hallelujah. Jesus declared in another place, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. So we have the Old Testament prophets declaring it. We have Jesus himself declaring it. And then we have those that saw it afterwards still maintaining the truth. I got a good news report. I got good witnesses. The events of the resurrection show us the beauty of this whole process. The scene has many characters. It's got the betrayer, Judas, the high priest, Herod, and Roman leader named Pilate. But the central figure of this whole story is Jesus Christ. At the moment that he is praying. Jesus is praying in the garden. Bishop, you talked about that host that is all around us. I see the heavenly host watching the scene unfold as God, manifest in flesh, roped in flesh, is praying, agony, agonizing in his flesh over what is about to happen when he says, Father, let this cup pass for me. If it be your will, the angels are poised. I see them got their hands on their swords. They're ready to come to his defense. They're ready to come down and do what they did at Sodom. They are ready to come down and take care of the Lord. They, they were watching the scene and then they see Judas as he kisses his face and betrays him. They see him as he's being led away. Amen. All of eternity is focusing on this man hanging, this this man bleeding, this man suffering on a cross. The crucifixion was heaven's price that had to be paid for the redemption of mankind. I know to some of you that's weird and strange. I know that you, you listen to people talk about our sins being hung on the cross because of Jesus Christ. But to us who believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. Amen. Now, if the gospel is right, and real it will be supported by facts that are right and real and we could give that historically we know historically it is right and it is real and so here's some things that was done to substantiate that 
Once they buried the Lord in a borrowed tomb, which was prophetic revelation, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate with a mission to tell him, seal the tomb. We want you to put a seal on this. I believe the Lord has a little bit of humor sometimes when I read stories like this, or it might be just my guilt brain thinking this way. For they said, they said, we remember this deceiver when he said, after three days, I'll be dead, but I'll rise again. We ask you, we commend you. We're asking you to command that you put before the sepulcher a stone and you seal it so there's no doubt. <laughs> so there's no doubt. Because if somebody tampers with that, the seal would have to be broken. Then they have to roll away the stone. <laughs> Look closely at what Pilate replied. He said, have you a watch? Put your shoulders, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. I love how King James writes that. The King James Version writes that. Make it as sure as you can. Seal it. Nail it. Make it as sure as you can. But what in actuality he was doing is that the greater the seal, the greater the evidence. The greater the stone, the greater the evidence. Hallelujah. It was not that, 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 that he didn't have eyewitnesses to that exact moment when those soldiers saw Amen. What took place and how it had to blow their mind. Amen. The pulpit commentary provides us a little insight on this seal that they set. <clears throat> the stone was sealed properly in a matter. A cord was passed around the stone that closed the mouth of the sepulcher in the two sides of the entrance. This was a seal with wax or prepared clay in the center and at the ends so that the stone could not be removed without breaking the seals or the cords. Thus carefully did Christ's enemies advocate the possibility of any fraud or collusion. Hmm. Thus did they themselves prove unanswerably the truth and the reality of the resurrection of the same Jesus whose dead body they so carefully guarded. Amen. Satan wanted to make sure. Everybody know he's dead. He's dead. We'll make it so he cannot see. But what happened is that on the third day, that stone was rolled away sometime very early Sunday morning. That stone was rolled away. The seal was broken. Amen. And all of a sudden, all of history began to change because now there's some good news for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Then there's the cover-up. The chief priest frantically tried to conceal and discredit this. Immediately. For the Bible says when the soldiers who had watched the tomb relayed the stunning message to these, to these leaders and these events, the leaders bribed them with a lot of money to keep quiet. Matthew 28. The Jews gave several ludicrous fake news reasons, if you please, for explaining the resurrection of Jesus. The seal is broken. 
by their own thought to keep it sealed. They thought that would, that would answer it. First, they blamed the disciples for stealing the body. Secondly, they accused the guards of removing his body. So if we can't get this to stick, we'll throw, throw something else out to, to try to discredit. Then they blamed certain Jews for stealing his body. Finally, they said Jesus was not really dead. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Why would you discredit and discredit and change it if it wasn't true to try to deny the facts and try to change the facts, amen. If the disciples removed his body from the tomb, then why were they willing to face death for a lie? Why were they willing to give themselves to a cross? I want to tell you the only way you can stand in this hour is because you serve a risen Savior that he went through the worst thing you could ever go through called death. He went through it and he is alive. So no matter what I go through I got some good news for you I got an update for you he lives hmm. those who first proclaim and wrote the story of the resurrection believed it to be a fact not only did they have the evidence of an empty tomb but they saw the risen savior by harmonizing all four gospels as witnesses we know who received a visit from the risen Lord for he appeared early in the morning to one Mary Magdalene in Mark 16 early in the morning to other women in Matthew 28 to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Mark 16 and Luke 24 to Peter in Luke 24 to 10 of the disciples in Mark 16 and Luke 24 and John 20 to the 11 disciples John 20 and then when that that is when Thomas was present to the seven beside the sea of Galilee John 21 in Matthew 28 the 11 disciples and 500 others to all the apostles on all of that when this Jesus was taken up into heaven amen and he said I'm coming back I'm coming back just like I left, I'm coming back. So we have credible prophetic utterance. We have firsthand eyewitnesses. The third evidence I want to bring to you is the power of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is so fought and so maligned. Here's what I want to say to you that do not believe. If it isn't real, why fight against it? If it isn't real, why fight against it? Its story doesn't need to be propped up by somebody who is so important and influential to stand on it because it stands on its own proof and text. I don't have to prop it up. Amen. He's still alive whether I believe him, receive him or not. We find that the Apostle Paul is telling us because he lives, we can now have victory over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus became, as it were, the first fruits or the first evidence of what is going to happen. The grave can no longer hold you. Death can no longer control you. Amen. One day all who have believed and been born again of water and a spirit are going to rise, are going to be resurrected so I don't have to fear death. And if I don't have to fear death, I sure enough don't have to fear corona. Amen. Uh, I don't have to fear the virus because my God is alive. My Savior is alive. My Redeemer is alive. 
In the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Jesus became a curse that I may become a blessing. I may be blessed. Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, and he, by the grace of God, hath tasted death for every man. Every man. Mm. <sighs> There's hope for you today if you know this risen Savior. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross because he knew what was on the other side of the cross. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. I want to tell you, yes, there's death, but there's also glory and resurrection. Galatians 6 and 14, but God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I find my answer by going by the Calvary tree and then to the empty tomb. If we go back to our original text in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to walk through that with you as I'm sharing you sharing with you this good news update. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel, verse 1, which I preached unto you, which you have received, and wherein you stand. When you receive the message and the hope of the resurrection, then you have a sure foundation. I can face tomorrow because he lives. Isn't that what the songwriter says? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives, all fear is gone. Hey, that's not just a lyric of a song. That's a truth I can stand on. <laughs> that's a truth I can stand on. When the storms are blowing and the updates that are around us are, are so confusing and we don't know what to believe, let's go back to the absolute truth. I believe and I stand. <laughs> Say it with me. I believe and I stand. I believe and I stand. Paul said, I delivered unto you, verse 3, I delivered unto you, first of all, most important of all, preeminent, preeminent of all, which I have received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And we've given you the evidence, evidence he says in verse 5, he was seen of, of Peter, or Cephas, he was seen of the 500, and on and on. Then if you look at verse 8, I want to nail this down. Last of all, he said, he was seen of me. Last of all, he was seen of me. I was a boy of seven years old when I came in contact with a Savior. In my Limited childlike understanding. I knew that I needed to be right with God. I knew that. Yeah, my parents had, had taught me, and yes, I come to realize it through, through, through Sunday school, but I want to tell you, I come to realize my need for a Savior. And at seven years old, I saw him. 
as a boy. I saw him. But I want to tell you, it wasn't just a one-time deal. I could go through points in my life thereafter that I've seen him, the resurrected one, step into my situation, step into my crisis, step into my world, and show me his power one more time. And he says, and last of all, he was seen of me. I saw him. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Now, we, we could say that, okay, seven-year-old boy, that's, that's a cool little story. Thank you, Pastor Gill. That's a great story. It's a real story. It's my life. I've lived it. I've experienced it in my life. But here's a man that was a murderer and a persecutor of the people of God. And he says, I've seen him. I don't care who you are this morning. It doesn't matter what you have done, how bad you are. Paul was a murderer, and yet Christ came to him and showed him, I'm alive. If you'll look into his word, my friend, if you'll hear my message today and understand that he is alive, he is alive. And because he lives, he can take someone like Paul, a murderer, someone like me, a liar, a cheat, a thief, someone like you who may be an adulterer or fornicator or someone who's just a bad person and you know it. But he can take you and show you he's alive. And with that understanding and belief, I can then stand upon the truth that if he's alive, then everything else is important and real. I, I, I want to go back in our text to verse 2 of Philippians 15 and verse 2. He says, this is talking about the gospel by which ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, and then he makes a powerful statement, unless you have believed in vain. You know what that means? Believing without purpose. Believing without purpose. Here's the purpose today. We believe so we can be changed. We believe so we accept his, his sacrifice for us, his gift to us. We believe in the resurrection because we know there's a purpose. What is that purpose? Jesus said it like this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I got to go away. I got to leave for a while. But if I go away, I'm coming back. I have hope. I have hope today. I believe in that hope. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to encourage you today. Be among the number that have seen him. Be among the number that has witnessed him. Be among the number that have experienced his power. I know, he says, I have seen him. I have seen him. Have you witnessed the risen Savior in your life? Have you witnessed him today? I want to present to you an opportunity to pray. I want you to pray with me right where you are. Heavenly Father, it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how dirty and rotten our sins may be or even how, how self-righteous we may have become. We come to you today, Lord Jesus, facing the evidence of the good news. Facing the evidence of transformation of people, dear God, that were something completely different, but when they encountered you, their life was changed. 
facing, Lord Jesus, the reality of what your word says, facing the reality of what history says, so that we can understand that I don't have to die in my sin, that we don't have to die in our sins. So today, God, we are just trusting in you. We are believing in you, oh God, the one that came, the one that gave his life for us, and then rose again the third day with many infallible proofs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If, if you have never repented of your sins, if you've never made a, a heart change, a heart change for God, right now is the time to do it. Right now is the time to do it. If you've never made a heart change for God, if you've never been baptized in the lovely name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, amen, right now is the time to do it. Contact us. We'll make sure that you get baptized. Amen. In the lovely name of the Lord. If you've never been filled with the power of God's Spirit, right now is the time for you. Amen. Right now is the time for you. Would you just lift your heart to the Lord right now in worship? Hallelujah. Right now in prayer. Right now in repentance.